Hello and welcome to Unity Thursday, the podcast for women in business created by women in business. We are your hosts, Emily Thompson and Sophie Will. We know what it's like to spend your day surrounded by people who don't look like we do, speak like we do or think like we do. Here on Unity Thursday, we bring together women like us. We ask our guests to share with us their story and discuss books and podcasts that they've enjoyed. Join the community wherever you get your podcasts. Just a quick disclaimer, this isn't a get-rich-quick plan and we can't make you good at your job. Sorry, not sorry. Shout out to our sponsors, Zeus, a leading independent financial services group which works across public and private capital markets in the UK. So before we get into it, Sophie, how was your week? It's going well, thank you. I've recently started doing Pilates. Oh yeah, I which... love Pilates. Oh, do you do him? Yeah. Oh my god, I did. I right, at first I thought it was just basically yoga, but it's really not. The amount of squats I've had to do mm. this part, like it's actually really hard. My bum cheeks are on fire. Sorry if that's too much information. Love it. <laughs> it's yeah. It's I'm actually really enjoying it, and I think mentally it's yeah, really helped me really as well. Good. Obviously. I've not really done much exercise over the past few months. So to go into having that routine of doing it now, mm. currently only doing it once a week, but I am hoping to maybe pick it up a bit more. But yeah, I'm really I'm really enjoying it. It's such good low impact exercise, isn't it? Yeah. That you don't feel stressed about. No, but so beneficial. Yeah. I feel like I have very felt good for your back as well, which is important oh. when you're sitting at your desk all day. Okay, thank you. Noted. I will look forward to having a better back. I feel like recently I've only realised how old I am getting. I'm not old, FYI, guys. But my body's just not what it used to be. I out someone the other day and my knees have never been the same. So that's what I get. Sorry, could we, just, <laughs> we could just go back to the bit where you <laughs> said that you out someone. How did that come about? So it was at a party... And they're like 10 years younger than me, but I was adamant that I could do more slut jobs than they could. And I did do it. By number of slut jobs? Or yeah, so you have depth. to like just, no, just by number. Right. So you had to keep going until someone stopped and I was the last woman standing. How many but, people did you beat at Oh, only, there was only one person, just me and one person. But what my knees have not been the sorry. same. <laughs> just what sort of party on. were you at? It was my sister-in-law's 21st birthday. <laughs> <laughs> What was the venue? You don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we're not talking about this. We're talking about Pilates. Yes, very beneficial. And I'm looking forward to seeing my results. <laughs> How was your week? <laughs> I don't think I've got anything to compete with that. But you do Pilates as well. Yeah. Have you ever tried reformer Pilates? That's what I do. Oh, They're yeah. the ones I do, yeah. Oh, my Brutal. God, the stretching is so good, though. Mm. Have you ever put the wrong spring on? No, because I'm too scared to. She's very specific with <laughs> the yellow one is for standard and the blue one is hard. And I'm, yeah, I've only yeah. just started. I'm not willing to push it. It's hard enough doing the easy springs. Yeah. Do you do, you do the No, I've just done it by mistake and then almost oh. rebounded upon myself. <laughs> <laughs> they are savage, those machines. <laughs> it's when you have to use the, um, the oh, arm the, ones, whatever yeah. they're called. Arm ones. Oh my God, they're like pull back from mm. it i actually pulled what's this muscle called arm muscle mm. tricep tricep bicep no that's bi- so tricep because that's bicep i actually pulled it the other day that i couldn't even stretch it out and i thought how pathetic i've literally done one class and i pulled my tricep mm. anyways i hope for improvements mm.
And on that note... <laughs> Today, our guest is the incredible Mariam Crichton, co-founder of Seven Sartre, board member of Women in Geospatial, advisory specialist for MBODA, forum member of TNFD and scientific committee member of Axlas Impact. Mariam has been the entrepreneurial driving force of the growth of many tech startups over the last 16 years. Thank you so much for joining us today, Mariam. Maybe we could start by talking about your company, Seven Satya. Seven Satya, um, we are providing global environmental and social uh, data and information to the finance sector and corporates. Um, I don't come from the finance sector originally. I've been in sustainable finance for the last three years, um, but my, my background is in uh, environmental and social impact. So I'm quite passionate about bringing uh, the information and knowledge that I have from science and tech and, mm. and environment and social and providing that to finance so they can make informed decisions um, so we've got, um, we're a SaaS company basically, and we um, provide global geographic screening. So if you think about ESG, if those who know what that is, environmental social governance, most people think about uh, sector screening, like is it clothes or food, or people nearly always think about ESG from a company level. Mm. So what's the ESG score for Unilever? What's the ESG score for Wilmar? Right. But we're a bit different because I come from a geospatial background. So we give location-based intelligence. So you might have a company who's got like an A-plus for ESG, but what's the macro climate that they're operating in? Mm. So what is the regional ESG score off that area? What's the environmental, social, governance score off the context that that company is operating in because you can get an A but you could be in a war zone yeah so we're it's a powerful um, due diligence screening tool mm-hmm. so if you've got because um, we as humans we kind of read the paper well I don't read the paper <laughs> or you watch the news I don't read the news <laughs> but you know you, you find out something's happened somewhere on the planet yeah. and you think oh that's happened but if you're in a corporate or in finance you don't think well I've got two million physical uh, uh locations in my database somewhere where that I need to understand the risk and opportunity for or I've got all these supply chain locations so that's affected one of my supply chain locations we don't do it so this way you can know a quick you know red amber green of what um of the risk or opportunities or ESG compliance you're operating in and have alerts for if there's any change in that region yeah um and um my background I also worked in international development for four years. So oh, I wow. worked, yeah, so I worked um, in social impact, particularly digital solutions in sub-Saharan Africa and the global south, so, which is, and a lot of people think ESG is a tiny bit of E, but it's actually mm. E, S and G. So I'm very passionate about, uh, we're also creating a, so, a premium social version with, you know, global slavery databases and... Um, you wouldn't believe the data, the research is, that's going on. We've even got statistics on uh, global statistics on um, 
a percentage of men that beat their wife after they've, if they've burnt the dinner. What? <laughs> oh my, to, yeah. to, to that detail. Yeah. So, oh, wow. and so where I'm does the data bring, come from? Well, in, in, it just exists because in international development, um, it's a lot of it's open. You know, like like the World Bank, etc. But there's lots of geospatial data uh, again that we've fused in it. So our background, we're geospatial specialists. And so we can, um, a lot of people look at country level information as well. So we've got regional because we use pull in from NASA, et cetera. Um, and we'll count every road, every, we've got different, it's quite, the, the product's quite simple. You give us a coordinate and we give you a set of scores, an ESG score, an E score, an S score, a G score, and then lots of subcategories mm. like transport score or population score or, or environment, climate score. So if you can imagine you're about to build a factory somewhere, you need roads, you might need a port, you might need um, to make sure there's a healthy population without disease, you might need to know that they're educated, that they've got uh, mobile phone network masks. So we, we've collected hundreds of data sources, um, traditional and geospatial, put it together, and somebody just simply gets the score. of in that For that area of the world, how does it compare to everywhere else in the world mm. for that? So you can go, oh, you know, you can think, do you want to do some extra due diligence there or not? And one of the big use cases is um, um, investment. So if you're looking to screen your investment portfolio yeah. and you want to know, well, you know, I need to be more impactful, um, you just run a screen over, you know, hundreds or thousands or millions of points and find out, yep, this is where I've got problems, where I've not got problems. So it's a new, unique perspective. Yeah. And it's great because I've, I've started the company up last year, but the idea's in progress for a long time. And it's the first time that I've actually started, because I started up a company over a decade ago, mm. um, but it was a spin-off of another company, so it wasn't all mine. Mm. But um, What was that company? That company was called Fine, Fine Maps, um, and it was for UK property. But this time it's different, because it's just like, it's me and my partners, you know, and it's a different ball game. Yeah. Um, it's your baby. It's Yeah, it's <laughs> my baby. It's my baby. Um, and so... It's interesting because when you look at my, I in some ways I think I should have done this ten years ago, and now I'm doing it, and you know we're actually going through the investment pitching now. I think why didn't I do this ten years ago? Mm. But I think um, the world was a different place ten years yeah. ago. Yeah. So I was a bit traumatized when I went for investment over 12, 13 years ago. It was, a, it was a quite hostile towards women. I mean, the current statistic for uh, venture capital to women in the UK is one percent. And it's amazing. It's zero point one percent for women of colour, yeah. and so I've just literally today we're starting to do the investment raise. So I knew that I know to start up a company and grow it easy peasy, but if I don't, can't have access to capital, then there's no point. Yeah. So I think I've waited a decade for two reasons. One, I had to wait till I found the right partners around me mm -hmm. who know the process and can get access to the fundraising, and two, I, I had a daughter. So <laughs> she's she come inside at that gap. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're very we're very much a for purpose company. Um, so that's what Seven Satya does. And yeah, I think what the the reasons why I think there are statistics to say that um, you know women start up companies in their forties and men tend to do it in their early thirties because mm. women are more risk averse, yeah. we're perfectionists, and we want to make sure we can do everything, every role perfectly, yeah. Yeah. etc. And, it, and it's true. I think I'm just a complete cliche. Yeah. You know, it's so funny that you don't realise how much in your day to day life that that actually does impact. And we spoke about this before that men will go forward for a job even though they're probably only. 50% qualified, whereas women will wait until they are right up 80, 90%. Yes. 
why did you do that for yourself? But also hindsight is a big thing. And, you know, you could have done it 10 years ago, but it might not be as successful as it is now. And obviously, like you say, the world is completely different now. Yeah. Do you think those changes have massively impacted why it is more successful now? Or do you, do you think... Oh, well, I mean, I think, that, I think an interesting question is, do you think anything has changed apart from whether you are more willing to put yourself through it? Because it doesn't seem like the percentage of um, venture capital going for women is changing. But but are you just more willing to take the risk now, I guess? Um, I think it's a very good question because I don't think I'm actually more willing. I just know that I need support. Yeah. So I've got plenty of alpha males around me for that support. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think the world has changed, particularly with, you know, there's a lot more uh, gender awareness. Mm. Um, hashtag Me Too really changed the world. And uh, youth these days, they don't take nothing. <laughs> they don't take anything. <laughs> and so, and so it's, they, you know, it's, you know, so it's, it, 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 there is a cultural change. And now mm. people have, um, you know, tick boxes, you know, even in ESG, like to, to, for um, being more gender neutral. Mm. And people are more open to having the conversation. So I think... Um, cult, the cultural changes have um, made me feel a bit more confident to go for it. Um, but it's still really hard. And also now, in the last couple of years, there's a lot more female founder groups. Mm. So like tomorrow I'm in the Google office for half the day and there's like a big female founder group Amazing. set up with like 19 female founders mingling with investors. So I think there's a lot more female, just beginning to be more female networks mm. and... You know, we need support. Like we, yeah. we like to have support, and we need a safe space. So, joining more of these communities that started up really has really helped the journey. Do you find that they actually really do help you mentally and having such supportive groups? And as we say, they wouldn't have been there probably around ten years ago. But yeah, they wouldn't. Do have you been think that has an ago. impact? Absolutely, because it's you know, there's always there's always stuff happening in your head that you know it's because you're female, but mm. you don't say out loud, and you, you you know. But when you're a group of women, there's there's they're so open and they're so direct and they validate your experiences or and that's just comforting. Mm. And they can sort of you get tips on how to navigate things, it, be it practical or, you know, how to navigate getting investment when you know they're not going to look at you or talk to you and they're going to talk to the men. <laughs> Little things like that, you know. So it's so silly that you even have to consider that, yeah, though, we isn't do. it? But we actively talk about it. And I think, you know, when we've got a problem, when we're, uh, particularly, you know, as women, we all think we're the only one. Mm. And when you realise you're not the only one, then suddenly you, you immediately calm down and you just get on with it. <laughs> yeah, it's such I a do. breath of fresh air when yeah. you speak to people like that and you think, oh my God, I thought the exact same way and I'm mm. so glad someone said it out loud yes. because it does, it it almost comforts you to know, okay, I'm not the only one. And then you can see it from someone else's point of view as well. Yeah. And I, I think before, in the last 10, I've, I've done a lot of roles and yeah, they're all senior, but I was a CEO before. And only in the last couple of years have I gone back to an MD, CEO type role. Because I would say that I almost lost my confidence back then mm. and was traumatised by a lot of experiences and didn't want to be senior and I didn't want to be on a board. Mm. And I just thought, why would I want to do that? You know, yeah. um, so it took a long time to really process it all mm. till you can like go back to, and my daughter as well, just starting secondary school a year ago. It's like, right, that's it. One baby doesn't want to talk to me anymore. Start another <laughs> baby up. <laughs> Where do you think the confidence came from to go back to the board level then? Um, I think I've just done 
do you know, I've just done, I've got so much experience in mm. so many roles. And he gets to the point where these sort of, in tech, you know, you've got these like mini Elon Musks running companies and they're all <laughs> younger than you, quite <laughs> frankly. You're like, oh, I can't, I can't, you know, I'm just older than him. I'm just like the, the only grown up in the world, come on. It's very uh, fitting, you're the mum of the group. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, no, I've just got too much experience now. I'm just, yeah. I just can do it blindfolded. It's like, right, Mary, you've been a receptionist, you've been a database person, you've been a COO, you've been a head of product. Come on, you've done every role. Oh and, and actually, it's. I think for me, I struggle because I I would happily do a number two or three role naturally. Mm. I'm, I am a natural leader because I'm the eldest of five children. You just born into leadership then, but um, I will only take leadership if if I have to, kind of thing. You know, mm. I'm kind of a reluctant leader, and I I really needed role models. And ten years ago, etc., I didn't see them, and I I physically need to see people that look like me yeah. making it happen and. I think I struggled with that. So when I was doing other roles, it's because I couldn't see uh, everybody. Mm. Every CEO of a tech company, you know, was male around me. Everybody. So I, I so it didn't compute. Like, how can I be one? Because I just, yeah. I don't act like them. I'm not motivated like them. I don't behave like them. I don't look like them. I don't, you know. And it's, uh, I, I couldn't, inside me, so I just assumed I wasn't one. Mm. But the fact is, you know, as my mentors all say, it's like, even 15 years ago, it's like, what are you doing, Mary? This is your role. Mm. And now it's like, well, I've done all these roles, and actually, the CEO role is what I do naturally. Yeah. And actually, full circle, you are now that person for so many other people that, as you say, you never had people yes. in those roles, and you are you are that person. So yeah. that must be really comforting in a way to know, although you don't necessarily have to be a leader to certain people just visually you being there will make a lot of people's yeah. mindsets different and, and the work that you're doing with the uh, women in geospatial as well so maybe we talk a bit about how that came about how, how did you get involved or? yeah i mean absolutely i mean um my number one goal again i've started up a company and it's in fintech and it's going to finance and we use geospatial technology as well and but I, yes, I mean, I shouldn't say this because we have investment. Yes, I'm driven to make money. But <laughs> <laughs> the, the number one, the number one goal, you know, I'm a full purpose. I want, I want to bring that social impact data and that environmental impact data to, to the finance sector. But I'm, I'm really passionate about pushing, put, I mean, it's, to begin with, you know, I'm a tech, I'm a science geek. I studied Mars in geophysics and geology. I looked I at mean, rocks for four years. That is incredible, though, to be able to say <laughs> that you have a degree in that. That's yeah. insane. So, you know, we weren't taught to go out and do social media or public speak or, you know, wear dresses. I was taught to look at rocks <laughs> in a laboratory for, for four years and computer model earthquakes. And um, so... The reason why I've managed to get myself to start doing LinkedIn, I'm quite active on LinkedIn or, or you know, social media, is to, and put my face up there, I'm not a narcissist, mm. it's to uh, show people that if I can do it, you can do it. Mm. And it, and I do get messages from people all over the world, um, men and women, people of colour, and lots of women all over the world, um, who really say, oh, you're an inspiration. Mm. Oh, it's, you know, they really follow me and they really support me. And that feels really nice because I know, you know, from what the feedback I've got, I've Mm. had such touching feedback on the difference I've made to somebody by putting one LinkedIn post that's about women 
people have said I had a terrible day and I saw your post and it just lifted me. Oh, that's yeah. a great, that must be a lovely feeling it having is. people reach out. It is. And with the women in geospatial, um, well, that's a, an amazing story because it was, I, my original background was um, after I, well, what happened was I, I was, I'm a Londoner born and bred. Brixton girl, actually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I went to Liverpool University to study geophysics, and which is basically volcanic prediction, earthquake prediction, looking for oil, minerals, gold. And then I came back to London and I thought, oh shit, there's no earthquakes. <laughs> what am I going to do? I didn't think that one through. That so intelligent, but you never thought that one through. And I just didn't know what to do with myself. So the closest thing I could get into was geospatial, which is basically mapping right. and location intelligence. So, you know, like where should you put Mark Spencer's to get the best football ball? Or um, it's, it's incredible, like your sat-nav system, uh, anything to do with mapping. And so that became my technical profession before I started being a serial entrepreneur in, in management teams. Uh, and I l- I've always loved mapping. Um, and... When I started off, there are hardly any women in the sector. Like, And I was a CEO too when I was quite young. So you go to these events and you're the only one. Mm. It's a lot better now, uh, but it's still a struggle because typically you get a company of 20 people and there'll be one female in it in, a, in the geospatial and they, and they feel lonely. Yeah, um, cool. And the women in geospatial was um, has an amazing uh, uh, couple of women who founded it and they just very organically put something up on Twitter, Twitter uh, about three years ago not even that and then it just people just sort of started getting some momentum and then they started a slack group and a website and social media we've got 10,000 twitter followers and 20,000 linkedin um we um are a community for to foster support and innovation for women in geospatial um we cover 96 countries you know um so i've just this year joined the executive board and it's very exciting because I'm uh, facilitating the strategy now um, to give young women um, the support in their early career to run webinars and events for example on how do you navigate um, being a mother um, how to real just technical webinars so all the how to become a leader meant we've got mentorship program a speakers database um, so it's really exciting to be part of it, and Goodness, yeah. So behind the scenes, I you know put a lot as much time as I can into it, and that's um, yeah. So it's, it's amazing. Yeah, it sounds incredible. And again, we go back to you almost wish there was something like that when you were at that age and in that point of your yeah. career. And yeah. that is why it will be so successful because there are women like you who really know that there are other women out there who need to hear voice from people in leadership roles, in senior roles, to just say, you can do it, it's completely fine, here's some top tips. Something so simple as that, and it goes a long way for a lot of young women, so that sounds incredible. Mm. I feel like I need to go on a few of them webinars, (laughs) though. (laughs) And and the thing is, when you have um, female communities, it's so open, so normally I'm a bit shy of a one-to-one person, a not big group person, but... When you're, you just know you're safe. So there could be mm. 4,000 people in the Slack and they'll go, um, I need to negotiate my salary. What should I say? Everybody helps. Anyone randomly in the world just helps them on the spot. Or I've got this problem. I've got this issue. And and I remember I was actually part of um, one of the founding members of the Brighton uh, branch of the Women's Equality Party. 
Oh, wow. And so at that time, I think it was five years ago, when it, the first year it started up, um, I think Camden in London, Brighton Branch were like competing for being the biggest, <laughs> like one and a half thousand women. And when it started off, there was a group of us women who used to meet up like once a month and like a bit like talk about female things. <laughs> and, uh, and one of them said, oh, there's just some meeting happening at Salt Dean Lido. Uh, something to do with the, you know, political party or something. I think we should go. It's about, you know, half a dozen of us went. And it was shocking because there was 200 women. And there was women, there were girls from like 16 to women who were 80, all in a room. We were like, whoa. Wasn't and you think like, that. People think, oh, there's, there's no problem anymore. There's, well, if there's no problem, how can somebody put a meet, some random meeting, like get 200 women from the age yeah. of 16 to 18? We've all got shared shared issues. Yeah. And, um, and what's amazing when you're in a room full of 200 women is that um, you don't feel so shy. Mm. Like you can say something or put your hand up and ask, ask a question and you know you're not going to get attacked or, you know, it's not going to be confrontational answers or someone yeah. trying to trip you up or, <laughs> you know, or contra- you know, it's in a nice way. Yeah, 100%. I think we even go back to it here where, you know, you can be in the boardroom with not even that many people, just say 10 and they're all men and you're the only women. And I, I get it now. I feel I'm so embarrassed to put my hand up and say something just in case I get it wrong. Yeah. But men don't feel that way. Why? And we always go back to this question, why do we do it to ourselves? You almost are setting yourself up to fail before you've even had a chance yeah. to speak up. But having women as that comfort and knowing, no, that there's no judgment whatsoever, it then allows you to actually just say what you want to say and no question's a stupid question, right? But Yeah, I think it's interesting. So, I mean, you've obviously been in leadership positions where you've been probably the only woman in the room in, in your, your industry so <laughs> how did you deal with those kind of as you work your way from yeah. being the most junior woman to the most yeah. senior woman how do, have you got any tips yeah, that my you'd tip would be get coaching mm. like get um sort of life coaching or business coaching because everything comes down to your self-acceptance and your self-awareness and when you've got somebody who's sort of dissecting you a little bit and or yourself reflecting I'm always getting, I'm always getting coaching and help because even though, um, um, you know, I've got a fancy CV and I'm very senior and got lots of experience, I still, my gut instinct is still to feel how I felt when I was 20, you know, Mm. and that doesn't change. And I still uh, hesitate to apply for a job. Like when when I'm I'm a non-executive director of, you know, I was a non-executive director of Wide Sussex and people are like, how do you get this job? Like, People in the community said to me, oh, Mariam, there's this rollout, you should do it. Oh, this is rollout, you should do it. There's this rollout, you should do it. And then I'm already, I'm trained in a lot of uh, D&I type things. And so um, I know that women don't go for a job if they don't tick every box. Mm-hmm. And that it's, it's silly, you should mm. just go for it. And even though I know that, I still looked at the, <laughs> the 10 bullet points. Like, oh, I only ticked seven of the 10 <laughs> bullet points. I'm not applying for it. <laughs> and then, oh, I'm probably not good enough. Oh, my God. Even with your incredible career, you still. And, and then um, somebody I know, um, a, a, a powerful female leader in our community, uh, in Connector, and it, it was past the deadline. The deadline was a Friday. And on a Sunday, she just emailed my CV to the uh, MD. <laughs> 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 oh, Mariam's interested in the role. 
And it, and it, and 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 I said, oh, I'm really sorry. I didn't apply. He goes, I don't worry about it. I just tucked it in the pile, and I passed all the interviews and got it. So oh somebody else, I do need some. I need hand holding. Yeah. Even now, I'm applying for some Ned roles. I still need to talk to the HR person. They need to psychologically talk to, coach me for half an hour before I'll apply. So funny though, because where where does that stem from? I mean, you seem like a really confident person, but actually it's quite easy to put on that front and then behind the scenes why where do you think that self-doubt comes from do you think it is because you've only ever been what the one woman in a room full of men or do you think it's deeper yeah, than well, that well I don't know because I I am confident and I know I, I know I'm always capable of the job it's just the competition like when you know you've got to compete with a lot of men for the role that puts me off mm. yeah so knowing there's like 500 people applying for a role oh. that puts me off or um I think, well, it's interesting because I actually have a life co- uh, coach who's an expert in self-doubt. Um, her name's Olivia. And um, it's something that we have naturally, but it's powerful. Because mm. when you don't doubt yourself, you just, like, go for it. And, like, entrepreneurs, you know, just go for it. That's when you make mistakes and you're, you don't have contingency plans and you don't think things through deeply. So when you actually self-doubt, I am confident that I know what I'm doing but I go through a period of reflection. Which there's nothing wrong with that. No, no. exactly. So yeah. there's nothing wrong with self-doubting. It's just, as long as you just go through the process and then apply. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Use it as a tool rather than... Use it than, as a tool. Yeah. And we are just like that. We're just like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Men are really good at selling themselves as well, I find. They'll always be the first ones in the room asking for a pay rise and asking for a promotion. But you'll sit back and think, okay, well, maybe I could do this, this and that before I ask... But I think that's the key, right, isn't it? We just need to learn to, you know, back ourselves more and use that self-doubt as a tool to promote yourself and think, no, I I know what I'm doing and I've got plenty of experience and you can do your job blindfolded. I mean, that that is incredible. You clearly have the confidence in yourself to know exactly what you're doing and I think that's a goal for a lot of people. If all else fails, get get your mate to send your CV for you. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) No, that's a really good tip. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> right, we've kind of touched on your past anyway throughout, but Shuri, let's go back to the start from when you were a young girl when you said you've been to uni, but way yeah. back when, was this, I mean, you can look back now, obviously yeah. you've got an incredible career, but was this always where you wanted to end up Gosh, when you were no. young? Like I didn't. I've never known what I want to do. Um, I mean, I was very studious at school and I tried hard I went to school in Pimlico which is you know um, not too far from here yeah. uh, we had no school uniform it's great <laughs> <laughs> oh really that's a bit, yeah that's a bit I like unusual uh, and uh, um, it, it was a fun it was a great school actually and then the truth is I didn't know what I wanted to do and I thought I'd do it English maths history A level mm. and I changed my mind in the queue really yeah I just changed it because I, I think, actually, uh, I'm one of those people that's science, tech, but I'm also a creative. Mm. So I love art and philosophy and the creatives. But I got scared because I didn't come from an upbringing, well, basically, we're poor. So I thought I'm never going to be able to get a secure job if I'm in the arts. I need to pick the sciences mm. because I definitely will get a job then. So last minute, I didn't do English and history. I decided to do... Mass physics, chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> wow, my God, a bit different. Yeah, yeah. And so I honestly did made that made that choice in the moment, queuing up to to register your your A levels, 
And then I did that. And then I, my passion in life is travelling and adventure. And because I lived in inner city London, I was just sort of felt all cooped up, and mm. I never got the opportunity to. Tra- it wasn't so easy to travel back when you're, you know, when I was eighteen. And so um, I really didn't know what I was going to do, and I just got the prospectus of UCL, which was the most comprehensive one. I just went from A to Z, and when I hit G, geophysics, I never heard of. Um, it just said you got to do field trips and travel. <laughs> So, <laughs> oh my God! So that is that yeah. is how you ended up on that path. Yeah, that is incredible. It and goes need, to shine. You needed maths and physics A level, which I had, and I just wanted to travel. I didn't really think it through, and I, I love I love the beauty of the planet, and I love nature. So knowing that you know, I get to study why volcanoes are there and why the world is so beautiful, and and I also thought, well, you know, I'm always passionate about helping people in the planet, and I think, well, how can I help? I thought, oh well, there's war, but war's dead easy. All you have to do is say put your guns down, wall stop. <laughs> so, um, and that's the reality of it. And then earthquakes, volcanic destruction, that that just, that, you know, that causes so much destruction mm. to people. Um, so I thought, I'm curious to see if I can help, but after four years of science there, you can't really, like, nobody knew. The volcano's going to predict, honestly, <laughs> all four years of science. I was like, ugh. And then, and then as I, you know, I said, I... Um, Came to London, didn't know what to do, so started doing going to geospatial, and then, well, again, people always think I'm like some driven, ambitious monster, but I, I am actually a traveller. So I travelled for two years um, in my late twenties, and I got back. I was looking for a job. I thought it's time to get because when you're doing a technical role in geospatial, you can just do technical work on projects. You go in, you go out, you go in, you go out. You don't need to have a permanent job. Oh, amazing. But then I thought, right, it's time to grow up by the time I was 27 or 8, <laughs> get a proper job. And so I thought, right, um, I can't find any jobs related to what I studied. I, I just gave up in that moment. And I thought, oh, right, my, my, we just need to get a normal job in London. And I thought, well, I love beautiful offices and interiors. <laughs> One of my passions is interiors. So I typed in uh, beautiful <laughs> office <laughs> And this company came up because it won Interior Design Awards. And I just, like, I was actually quite confident. I, I just found the most senior person's name. And I just sent them my CV going, oh, here you go. You must have a GIS department. And then they called me up for an interview. Okay. And I was like, right, have you got a team? They go, no, we don't have a team. What's GIS? And I was like, what are these people called waste what? my time for? <laughs> I said, well, you need one. Because uh, it was applied to rights of light. You could do this. You could do that. You could do this. You could do that. I didn't know that nobody was doing it at the time. As you have to hire a senior person, and then you know I can join the team, and this is what you do. I just made it up on the spot, and then they gave me a job. And then after <laughs> oh a couple of my weeks, goodness. I didn't really know. I didn't have a job description, so I just sort of worked out what all these surveyors and party wall people were doing, and three D AutoCAD people were doing. And then I th- and then I thought, right, this is what I need to do. I didn't know what business plan was then because I came from a scientific background. Mm. I need this many people, and I need this software, and I need this. This is what I need. So I'm going to go and have a meeting with the managing partner and ask him for this. But if he just doesn't get it, I'm just going to leave. Yeah. <laughs> and because uh, uh, they just don't know what this is. And I said, this is what I need. And he said, I said and I, again, I said, you need a senior person to manage this team. And he goes, OK, fine. That's great. You just get on with it to begin with. And then before I knew it, I grew a team and it was sort of recognized in the UK. And then they the... Um, another one p- big person in charge said, oh, Mariam, you should uh, start up a company. But I didn't know what a company was. I didn't know what that meant because mm. I'm, I'm a you know tech science geek. And so um, <laughs> I just 
Mike said, well, what, what do you mean? He goes, like, come up with a name and a logo. Okay. So, and then that was it. I grew a company to 20 people. Um, so, and then I had my daughter. So then I stopped at that point for two years um, because, um, as I was saying, you know, like, she basically wouldn't eat anything, so I had to feed <laughs> her for two years. <laughs> and uh, and that was my priority at the time. And it was yes. so hard. Mm. It's so hard. You know, she didn't eat, she didn't sleep, she was noisy. Mm. So I actually, this, when she was 11 months, I backpacked for one year in India and China with her. Which is incredible. Yeah, and, you know, as I was, she was in um, nappies, so I didn't have to worry about toilets, the <sighs> airfares are low, she's in a sling, I was feeding her. I'm not really a stay-at-home type, but she was not ready for me to leave her at 11 months. Yeah. She, you know, so children are different. Cool. So what do you do? You go and travel the world. Why not? Yeah, why yeah. not? just rented my place um and uh, then when I got back it was quite hard because I didn't know what to do because I was a CEO but I got a bit traumatized by beginning a venture capital raise at that time and my mm. experiences I didn't want to be a CEO anymore and it's quite hard because I needed to do roles where I could do I could do them locally because we didn't the world wasn't online then mm. and then my particular technical speciality that you know there weren't any jobs in that in where I lived so I had to sort of move out of my current area and do other roles in mainstream tech running a design agency being a COO or product so I did lots of other roles um and always growing s- small tech companies in, in innovative in senior management teams so I've had a grow I, I like to go in and just put it when it needs to become a bit professional putting the scalable processes and and uh, prepare red- companies ready for scale um and then, yeah, I think when my daughter got to about 10, 11, well, actually, it was COVID. When COVID happened, um, everything go online. Mm. So then that opened up the world where I could be a group managing director um, in my technical field. And I was a group managing director for a satellite imagery company. Um, uh, but I could do it remotely. So they could be an office in Abu Dhabi, an office in Bristol, and I could remotely manage them. And it was really interesting because there was one, I have to tell this story, there was this one company and I was applying for um, roles and there's a very successful company in our field in the United Kingdom. And they said, I was immediately put on the top five shortlist, um, by, recommended by people I know because I wouldn't do it myself, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, <laughs> and then, you know, I talked to their big American group head and... Um, and they wanted me to be in the office. I said, I'll do it two or three days a week, but I'll, I need to be at home two two days a week or something. Or you've got, you know, a local office I could be in. And they're like, no. And, they, and um, I could hear that the HR person nearly cried when she said this to me. She goes, this role offers zero flexibility. You need to be in the office five days a week. When it was a four-hour commute. Oh. So so then it was like impossible. Yeah. yeah. And, and you think, well, what happens to women? Why aren't they in these senior roles? When people say something like that exactly. to you, what does that mean? It means you're not... Was that off of the back of COVID as well? That was just three months before COVID. Oh, I so bet that COVID, changed. When COVID happened, <laughs> I was like... <laughs> <laughs> How is your timing? All, they all had to go online. Because they, they, didn't, do on, yep. they didn't do remote working. We don't do remote working. So that was, I was a bit smug when COVID hit, to tell you yeah. the truth. <laughs> oh my, that is a big silver lining for you there, yeah. isn't it? So yeah. you, you did that role? I didn't do that role, no. 
I did a better one. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I feel like I need your approach in life. From from literally changing your A-levels last minute to just going through the book A to Z, figuring out what you want to do. Oh my God, that, that sounds like the best approach. Just don't take it too seriously and what will be will be. And clearly that has all added up to how you are so successful now. But at the time... You've yeah, just we don't know, do we? No. Because I am a very serious person. I'm a very meticulous planner and I'm very, you know, I've booked my holiday for the 27th of December. Uh, <laughs> I'm impressed. In February, you know. <laughs> but it's funny when the most important things in my life, you just, in the moment, something happens. But clearly, that, that is how, that, this is the path you should have been on. So it's almost yeah. like, is it something in your in your mind knowing it's fate is it fate to say yeah, no yeah. you shouldn't be doing this yes follow and those last minute decisions yeah have impacted your life because it means i've worked on um technology environmental impact i've worked in international development on uh, digital social impact in sub-saharan africa i've grown companies so all of that together is what i'm taking to the finance sector um, yeah. in an innovative way so you're right it's all sort of triangulated and worked out yeah why the finance sector what, what okay. drew you there? Yeah, so <laughs> it's quite hard because, you know, the finance se- sector can be quite closed. and It's all about who you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, me looking and being like me and coming from my background, it's very hard. I've been trying to network for the last three years. to, And now I'm starting up a company in this area. It's all about networking for someone to trial our product. Yeah. So it is a cha- it's a challenging, but much to my surprise, well, well the, to answer your question why, I just thought, well, how can I help? Um, people on the planet a lot of people are like activists and do all sorts but I think go straight to the people with the power Mm -hmm. and redirect that capital flow for for good uh, projects yeah Um, so I think you know I've always been a Trojan horse like I'd rather work um, this is where I think I can make the most impact and I and being in sustainable finance actually and ESG, there's an incredible amount of young women in the area. So I'm really shocked. And so it's oh, been that's quite nice. easy. And they really helped me, you know. Yeah. Um, we're, always, we're all rooting for each other, aren't we? Yeah, we so all, yeah. and so actually, a lot, there are a lot of women in sustainable finance, in consultants, in, in, in banks. Everyone's got their ESG teams, the head of sustainability, nearly always female. So I was very surprised. And it's been really nice to be in the sector, actually. Great. Oh, that is lovely yeah. to hear because actually when people talk about finance, you don't associate that with women. So <laughs> that's been a really positive experience for you. Yes, it has. Obviously, the ESG movement, I mean, it's huge. It's just blown up, hasn't it, over the past few years. Um, what's the future for you? I mean, do you think that that movement is going to massively help with the success of your company? Absolutely, because um, we've got a lot of ideas. Um because the technology is there, the data is there, the information's there. It's just a case of um, the finance sector and the corporates willing to adopt it. Yeah. Um, you kind of have to now, though. Like they're no. really, they are know. really pushing it. And I think sometimes it just starts off with one person in a company. Yeah. That's all you need to win yeah, over. And then the seed is planted. And then hopefully they can go and convince the right people that it needs to happen. But, yeah, I mean, you'd like to think that. Yeah, it's grown so much over the past few years that surely these next few mm. years are going to be really I important so. for that space. And there's so many, again, young, you know, younger generation who are in all of these um, classical, traditional organisations who are truly trying to make change in the best way that mm. they can. Yeah. And I'm seeing it across the board. So 
I think absolutely it will change. And yeah. again, like a product like ours, it's not just risk, it's opportunity. It's like, do you want to invest in North Brazil or South Brazil? It's You can use it for both ways. Mm. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. And you mentioned that you're um, looking to take investment. What is the vision for that? How do you want to apply that to your business? Well, that's just to grow the business. So it's the usual startup um, startup career where, you know, we've we've got so far, but to grow and hire more people and build more products and um, you need money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And n- nearly every, you know, small tech, it's very, very rare you'll see a tech startup grow organically. Mm. And you're currently in that process now of the test marketing and getting yes. that. Oh, yeah, that's so exciting. Actually, yeah, I think our team's doing the first pitch tomorrow. Excellent. Oh, yeah. good luck. Oh, keep us updated. Let us know okay, how you get on. You. I feel like oh, we've run out oh. of time, but I'm so interested in all this. I'm going to have to message you separately and <laughs> get loads of information. Um, did you have a book you want to talk about? Or if time's not, it's fine. Yeah, no, no, I've, I'll, I'll do a quick talk. So um, I, one of my passions in life is philosophy. I'm a practical philosopher and I'm a member of the School of Philosophy, philosophy and Economic Science, which is headquartered in London. There are schools all around the world um, for over a decade. And um, a lot of the philosophy has Vedic roots, which is why we're called seven satya. So satya is a Vedic word, and it means the truth, honesty, sincerity, what you see is what is there. So we're building a brand of integrity. Right. Um, a bit like the Latin word veritas. Um, and the book I wanted to mention was um, a book called The Prophet by Khalil Gibran. And it's uh, a book of 26 prose poetry, which was published in 1923. And I've got a tiny copy that's normally, usually if I travel in London, I've got it in my bag so I can just read it's like really short poems um, that you can read when you're on the tube or something. And you can reread because they're so rich and there's mm. so much wisdom in them. And in the 26 um, uh, chapters, uh, one will talk about love, marriage, children, giving, uh, buying and selling, clothes, beauty, work. And I really recommend it, The Prophet by Khalil Gibran, because it's it's incredibly inspiring. Um, and because I guess oh, I, this is sort of work-related doing the podcast, I just read a couple of words from yeah. the work chapter. That would be lovely. Work is love made visible. And if you cannot work with love, but only distaste, it is better that you should leave your work and sit at the gate of the temple and take arms of those who work with joy. Oh, that's oh, lovely. That's so God, nice. I've never heard of that book before, but actually it sounds like it covers every aspect. Yes. Oh, God, sorry. Every aspect of your life that you can read one chapter and just relate it to wherever you are in life in that day. That sounds lovely. Okay, well, we're, we're going to have to uh, yeah. <laughs> get ourselves a copy. <laughs> yeah. No, oh, yeah, it would have been nice to have um, read that beforehand and then we could have had a bit of a chat about it. But no, definitely we'll go and get ourselves one and yeah, give you some yeah. feedback and we'll link it as well. Oh, on the like show notes. Yes, definitely. So oh. we've got a couple of audience questions for you. Okay. Um, the first question is, I think we might have sort of covered this, but maybe there's a more direct answer. How do you deal with imposter syndrome? 
Well, I was actually on a women in entrepreneurship panel in Rotterdam last week, and they asked this question. <laughs> <laughs> so you're well yeah. prepared. It's a big well, thing. No. Um, I think I, f- I didn't realise I had it, to tell you the truth, because I always feel confident. And then my mentor last year just walked into the room and goes, Mariam, you've got imposter syndrome. And it just hit me. (laughs) 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 Have I? Have I? Have I? And then once I sort of worked out that I sort of did, I kind of got over it again through through coaching, I think. Yeah. Mm. So it's all about coaching. I think so. Seeking the best support you can. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good point. Perfect. Um, Next one. How do you switch off from work? (laughs) Or how do I switch off from work? Um, I two things probably I uh, love watching films so I'm a real film person mm. especially like vintage films and fantasy and you know I live in my own world yeah. <laughs> um, are you so able I, to put your phone down while you're watching yeah film? no I can be quite strict like That's when I go good. on holiday I like absolutely go I shut off like yeah. laptop oh. off switch off but the main thing I like to do is I live in um, Hove by the sea and so I swim in the sea all year round um, in a wetsuit. And I find, you know, that just lifts my soul, really, and makes you be so present because of the cold or the waves and the challenges that you have to just think about what you're doing. Mm. And it helps me clear my head a lot. Yeah. And excellent exercise, I imagine. It is if you know how to swim properly. (laughs) (laughs) And you're not actually ruining your back. (laughs) But nonetheless, mentally, it helps. So that's yeah. all that matters. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. I think that's all of the questions that we have for Perfect. you. Thank you Thank you so, so much. much for coming in to record the podcast with us. Pleasure. Thank you. Oh, thank you. We want to get to know you all, so please do ask your questions or just drop us a line to introduce yourself. You can reach us at unitythursday at gmail.com. We will never reveal your identity, so tell us all your secrets. Don't forget to follow us on social media. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or visit our website at unitythursday.com. See you next time.